going to finish off our series on Unwrapped. If you're new, you'll see the question marks everywhere. It's the last week of the question marks as we finish up our series. We've just been looking at the spiritual gifts, what they are, what they look like, how they operate, what they do. And then we spent the last two weeks looking at the Holy Spirit, the gift giver, and, well, the gift empowerer, actually, I should say. And so we've been spending some time. So I get to close that off this week. Um, it's a bit of a recap, a bit of a summary. But then also we want to look at what is God and what are we trusting God to do within rivers this year. Um, and so let's read in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 to 27. It says, For just as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so too is Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks or slaves or free. We were all made to drink of the one spirit. For in fact the body is not a single member, but many. If the foot says, since I am not a hand, I am not part of the body, it does not lose its membership in the body because of that. And if the ear says, since I am not an eye, I am not part of the body, it does not lose its membership in the body because of that. If the whole body were an eye, what part would do the hearing? If the whole body were an ear, what part would do the exercise? What part would exercise the sense of smell? As a matter of fact, God has placed each of the members in the body just as He has decided. If they were all the same member, where would the body be? So now there are many members, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, "I do not need you," nor nor turn can the head say to the foot, "I do not need you." On the contrary, those members that seem to be weaker are essential, and those members we consider to be less honorable, we clothe with greater honor, and our unpresentable members we clothe with dignity. But our presentable members we do, our presentable members do not need this. Instead, God has blended together the body, giving greater honor to the lesser member, so that there may be no division in the body, but the members may have mutual concern for one another. If one member suffers, everyone suffers with it. If a member is honored, we all rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body, and each of you is a member of it. So, Father, we thank you as we've looked through this series and how you have helped us to learn and to understand what gifts you have given to the church, what gifts that are empowered through your Holy Spirit, Father, and how they can work to build and grow and edify the body. So, Father, I pray, Lord, that as we speak this morning and look into your word of how this is for unity within the body of Christ, Father, I pray, Lord, would the seed be planted into our fertile hearts and would it bear much fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> I'm also going to read from Romans 12 and Ephesians 4, but I'll do that a bit later. Because over the last several weeks, what we've done is we've looked at the various spiritual gifts and we've been, which have been given to the church. And we spend quite a bit of time just working through them, giving illustrations of how they work and what they do. And um, so one of the, well, the first gifts that we see in Ephesians 4, which are the most commonly known ones, are the ministry gifts, or what we call the fivefold gifts. So that's the apostle, the preacher, the evangelist, the prophet, and the teacher. And we looked at how all five of those gifts need to work together in the body of Christ and what they're there for. And so these gifts were given by Christ himself to equip the church for the work of the ministry. And so what we looked at is that each one of us do the work of the ministry. It's not just for those that have a title or a label, but each and every single one of us have been called to be part of the ministry. And so those five different titles or roles 
they work together to equip the church to do that, teaching us what it means to be saved, what it means to, what is righteousness, what is salvation, how does it work. They equip us for these things. The prophetic give us insight into where we should go and how we should do things. And so we looked at quite in depth at those five different things. We looked at how the importance of these gifts, uh, how important these gifts are for the church and that they cannot work in isolation. If you've got an evangelist that works in isolation, there's no one that's going to do the teaching and the preaching and the discipleship. If you've got a prophet that works in isolation, everyone knows where we're going, but there's no one to shepherd and guide people in the right direction in a safe way. But the reason why they need to work as a team is because these five gifts represent what Jesus did in his ministry here on earth. Jesus as the prophet, Jesus as evangelist, Jesus as the apostle, the teacher, and the preacher. They wholly represent who Christ was for us on earth. And what, one of the things we said is that there's not, besides Jesus, one person cannot be all five of these things. Um, if they do, they're probably part of a cult telling you what to do. But together, they represent Jesus. They represent the plurality of the Trinity, represent what it looks like to work, work as a team moving forward together. Then we spend some time looking at the motivational gifts, and these are the ones that we find in Romans 12. And these are the gifts that have been given to every single person. You can almost say that we are born with these gifts. Every person will display one of these, whether they are saved or not saved. And so these gifts are foresight or perceiving, serving, teaching, exhortation, giving, leadership or administration, mercy or compassion. And so these, these gifts are also known as the grace gifts, the gifts that have been through the grace of God to each and every single person. I'm sure we've all met people who have an extreme heart of compassion for the broken and the, those that have had injustice against them in the world, but they have nothing in terms of a relationship with Christ, but they operate freely in this gift in a way that looks amazing, but there's no relationship. And so we see that these gifts operate in every single person. But we looked at how when we operate through the Holy Spirit in these gifts, how these gifts are used to edify and build the church and to bring unity. <coughs> then lastly, we looked at, the, or we actually looked at these, yeah, lastly, sorry, manifestation gifts. So these are the gifts that have been given to the church to reveal the nature and the power of the Holy Spirit. The manifestation means a revelation or an appearance. So these gifts allow us to experience the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in a supernatural way. These gifts provide a bridge between the physical and the spiritual, between the natural and the supernatural. It is literally the appearance of the Spirit, an outworking of the Holy Spirit's power to reveal the heart of God to the church and the glory of God to the world. And these gifts are words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, speaking in tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And so we discovered these various gifts, and we sent out the online test. Did any of you do the online test? Fantastic. Who of you had hospitality as number one? That was just me. Fantastic. <laughs> I hope you all feel welcome. <laughs> um, so you would, if you've done the test, if you haven't, I encourage you to go have a look. It's just interesting to see what gives, most of us already know what we are good at and what we flow and function as, but it's just really cool to just go through it. I think there's 150 questions, so it does take some time, but it's just a fun way to see, like, actually, I didn't realize this. 
Um, my compassion has increased, if anyone is wondering. When I first did the test, it was 8%. It is now on 13 so we're making some progress. <laughs> My kids love it. I'd be like, oh, shame. There we go. Move on. It's just a flesh wound. Walk it off. Um, <laughs> but I think the important thing that I did say before is that our gifts and our strengths in different gifts is not our limitation. Because as the Holy Spirit operates and works through us, I, who have a 13% compassion, can show great compassion for someone that is hurting or broken as I allow the Holy Spirit to operate through me. So we walk in surrender and yielding to the Spirit so that He might be glorified and honored. And so that the church might be built and edified and will grow. And so that the world out there might know Him because of what we do here and in the world. <clears throat> so there's one thing that struck me as we were going through the series. With each one of these portions of Scripture, there's a very common thread that happens well, there's actually two. One is the continually stress that this is through one spirit, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. So each of these gifts operates through one spirit. The second one is all of them come at a place in the context of unity within the body of Christ. And so you can't talk about spiritual gifts without looking at unity in the body of Christ and what that looks like. You see, these gifts were not given for us to sit on or to hoard or to warm up a chair on a Friday morning, but these gifts were given to us for the benefit of others. And as we serve and use that gift, other people benefit. As other people use them and serve with their gifts, we benefit. And so there's this mutual benefit that happens as we love and serve and use our gifts for each other. You see, <coughs> these gifts were given with intention and purpose. They weren't just given so you can say, well, I'm good at hospitality, and then you do nothing with it. These gifts were not given so that you can say, well, I have perception, and I know what might happen if we do X, Y, and Z, but we don't do anything with it. These gifts were given with the intention to equip, to build, and to encourage the church and the body of Christ. <coughs> Why? So that we might be able to do the work of the ministry. That's what it's all about. When we came to Christ and we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we also accepted the call of Christ, which is the Great Commission, to go into all the world, to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything that I have taught you. Those are the words of Jesus. And so that's the work of the ministry. It's going into the world saying, you know what? I know this Jesus, and he can come into your life. He can change the way that you live, change your perception, change the way that you are in a way that shows love and kindness and mercy and compassion. And we do that through these gifts. You might be, well, how does my generosity show people the love and kindness of Jesus? But it's through generosity that we might be able to reach some people. When you see someone that is struggling and doesn't have food for groceries, through generosity, you can bless them. And they will see the glory of God through those acts of service. And so our responsibility as the body of Christ is to find out what our gifts are and where we fit in the body and to operate in that place, using that gift to unify the body. <clears throat> I studied the human body. I spent four years doing that, physiology, anatomy, pharmacology, all those fun things. Um, so I'm fascinated with the human body. Um, when my kids got the talk, it was a very biological, anatomically correct talk. I'm talking about the birds and bees. 
And so they, they got all the full-on Latin names. They explained it to him the, full, the proper way. This is how it works. This is the body. There's nothing to be ashamed of. This is it. Like, no, the bird comes. No, we didn't do that. And so <laughs> every part of the body plays a function. Every part of the body, even though it seems useless, like the spleen it's, or the appendix, it's got a function. Can you function without the appendix? Yes, you can, but it's got a function. Somewhere, somehow, God created it with a function. Um, a few weeks ago, I was trying to show off, and I did a cartwheel, and I tore all the ligaments in my big toe. <laughs> I'd like to report I can bend it a little bit now, which is great. Um, but I quickly realized the importance of a big toe in everything you do. Walking, standing, balancing, everything, you need your big toe. I felt it for four weeks. I know exactly what I needed it for now. But when the big toe hurts, everything compensates in it for that. So I hurt my big toe, so then obviously I started limping. So then my ankle got sore, my knee got sore, and this hip got tight, and my glutes got tight, and my back started getting sore, and it's just this knock-on effect. And so when the body of Christ doesn't operate as it should, the body of Christ suffers. It does have a knock-on effect. And it says, what use is the eye without the hand? I don't know if you've tried to do things blindfolded through your house. Your shins become the the finder of all things sharp. If you try to do things without your hands, there's nothing you can do unless you've got really long toes. So there's a whole bunch of things. Like every part plays its function. Every part has an important role to play within the body. If you don't have tendons that link the muscles to the bones, you can't move the bones. Your muscles are just going to be a tight blob of muscle floating underneath the skin with no reason or attachment or importance. So everything has its role. <clears throat> the other thing that we learned when I was studying is that if you don't use it, you lose it. So I don't know if you've... Perfect example, example Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mr. Olympia, Mr. Universe, massively built, amazing physique. As he got older, obviously he stopped training as much. He still looks pretty good for his age, I won't lie. But when you don't use muscle, it starts to waste away. So I always tell my clients that the body is inherently lazy. If you don't use a muscle, it's going to waste away. If you don't strengthen your bones, it starts to waste away. It's just the way the body was designed. If you don't use it, you start to lose it. And so what happens is when we don't use our gifts in the body of Christ, it starts to waste away. The body of Christ needs that movement, needs every person involved to get stronger, to be healthier, in a way that glorifies God. You see, we are part of a body of believers. The kingdom of God demands that we work together. We sang a song that says, your kingdom is in reverse. First is last, last is first. Upside down kingdom. And the world, especially as we've come out of COVID, is just like self-care. I'm going to look after myself. Put my mask on and watch Netflix for three hours every night because I'm looking after myself. I come first. And that's not what the kingdom is like. The kingdom is the first shall be last and the last shall be first. I put myself down. In Romans 12, it says, present yourself as a living sacrifice. I think so often in the Western church, we've become so comfortable to do our thing on a Friday, go home, that's it. 
But there is a sacrifice that comes with living in the kingdom of God. There is this thing of laying down my time, laying down my pride, laying down my money, my resources for the kingdom of God to advance. And it's uncomfortable. Like I said, it's never easy. But God is glorified in that. As we use our gifts and as we serve and as we give of our time and our resources, the church grows. The church gets healthy. Things change. Our lives change. The lives of people around us change. The world at large will start to see the glory of God. Completely lost my notes now. You see, the kingdom of God calls us into action. A river, if it stops flowing, becomes stagnant and it dies. The water rots. Life starts to die and just disappears eventually. But a river that flows is healthy and strong. You can drink the water straight from the stream without any worry of sickness or disease. And so we have to move away from being passive consumers, hoarding our gifts, and wanting to get a medal for participating, to being active participants who work together to help the body of Christ to become a church that shows the world what it looks like to live as a living sacrifice for the Father. One of my biggest frustrations moving here from... So South Africa, we have quite a big sporting culture. Everyone does sport. When I was at school, sport was compulsory. Every winter, every summer, you had to do at least one sport. And sport was immediately after school. And if you didn't do sport, you had to do something cultural or um, something academic. But sport was compulsory. Like, everyone did sport. And so we were very active. Then we moved here, and my son went to a school, and I won't mention the name of the school... Um, and I remember his first sports day, and I'm pretty excited. I was like, my kid's doing sports day. He's five years old. It's all cute. Maybe they'll run some races, whatever. No, no. Tossing the beanbag. <laughs> Filling a bucket with water. <laughs> that was the sports day. I was so offended because my sports day was triple jump, long jump, high jump, sprinting, pole vault, javelin, shot put, high jump, track and field, Gala events, that was my sports day. And then beanbag toss. <laughs> and I was so offended. I was like, come on. And you know what the worst part is? Everyone got a medal for participating. <laughs> and I was just like, my son is very competitive, even today. And he was just like, but I came third. Why did I get a medal too? And trying to explain to him, no, this is just the culture we live in where everyone wins. No, not everyone wins. We're competitive. This is serious business. I know some of us are very competitive in Tembum bowling. Like, I, I do not want to lose. <laughs> I get very, very passive-aggressive when I start to... If someone's better than me... <laughs> I'm exposing all my secrets here. I'm going to be quiet. But there's this thing of in the kingdom, we are together. We are here. We're not here to all just collect a medal because we arrived and then leave. No, we are here to give our lives for the king of kings. That's what we are here for. I was looking at this revival that's happening, happening at the moment, and just listening to a few commentaries and people that have an opinion about everything and just what's happening. And it was just beautiful because I came across this one uh, pastor that lives in a nearby city, and he's just like, he's never seen such a hunger for Christ in the younger generation as he's seen through this. And I think it makes me so excited because... I grew up in the time of the 90s where they had the revival with Rodney Howe Brown. 
um, where the Holy Spirit just poured himself out and there were manifestations of the Spirit physically and spiritually and just outpouring that spread to whole, to, out, throughout the whole world. And I remember hearing about it. I remember being so encouraged by that. And then we start this Holy Spirit series. And I don't think it's a coincidence that God has led us down this way. Because as we're finishing up, something is breaking out somewhere else in the world where there's a hunger and a desire for God. And so I want to encourage you on that. And I'm taking a bit of a digression here. It's just come hungry. Come expectant. Come to church on a Friday saying, God, what is it that you want to do today? But don't let it stop here. If we just let it stop on a Friday, it's going to be always contained in a little Tupperware of Friday mornings. But if we say every day, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do in my life today? What do you want to do where I go today? In my school, in my workplace, what is it that you want to do? There's, there's something that's the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. If you are standing in worship with your arms crossed, all serious, it's like, oh, I can't sing, and you're just not inviting the Holy Spirit to move, he's not going to force you. He's not going to force himself on you. But when you open your arms, I was saying to someone last night, I like, I can't sing. It's like, well, the Bible says make a joyful noise. No one cares if you can't sing. We have to worship. And it's not just about the singing. It's about getting involved and saying, oh, Jesus, I'm here for you. I'm here to worship. I mean, all creation in heaven, they sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, over and over and over. And I think so often in the Western church, and I, sorry, I say Western church often because this is where I see it. We go to places like the Philippines and Sri Lanka where there's a hunger for God. Where people are, um, just an example, there's a lady who leads a church, Tree of Life Church, um, the Mandarin and Cantonese speaking church here. And yes, I, I didn't do it, thank you. <laughs> I'm watching you. <laughs> Sorry, private joke. Um, but she arrived here. She had been to Bahrain once before for a few days. Her name's Sophia, amazing lady. And she came back and she came back to actually lead the Cantonese church here. And she met with, the, she was arrived, I think she arrived at like one o'clock in the morning. When she got to the villa where the church is at two o'clock that morning, the whole church was there waiting for a Bible study at two in the morning. There was a hunger and a thirst to know more about God. Like in the, when I was in the Philippines and we met with the guys, we spent six hours just talking through Romans 12, one and two. There's a hunger and a thirst. You go to Sri Lanka and the guys just want more. They'll worship for four hours if that's what it takes. And then, unfortunately, in the Western church, is like, well, my chicken's in the oven. I need to leave five minutes early so it doesn't burn. Um, we, we're so limited by time constraints. There'll be sometimes, I think, we put that before what God wants to do. We say things like, I don't have time to have a quiet time, but then we watch a movie three times a week, or we're watching Netflix, or we're doing other things that distract us and pull us away. I think it's Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis where it says, well, how will, we, how will we get them to turn from God? It says distraction. And so the enemy comes, he tries to distract us. I mean, I'm pre preaching to myself here as well. Exercise, TV, family, friends, work, all these things become distractions that try and pull our attention away from God. And so, I know Solomon used to say this, but just come and sit on the lap of the Father. Spend time with Him. 
Don't talk at him, talk to him. Don't just pray in your times of need, but pray daily. In Ephesians 6, it says, it talks about the whole arm of God. It says, but above all else, pray in the spirit continuously. Continuously be aware of him. Desire him, seek him. I think the hardest part of this is that it takes sacrifice. And I think we're in a culture and in a society where everything's about ease and comfort. You want Cinnabon at 11.30 at night? Tell about it. <laughs> You want coffee at Starbucks? Drive through 24-7. Everything's easy. Everything's comfortable. We don't have to go out of our way unless you live in Umwaj. <laughs> but everything's easy to get to. Everything's at our disposal. You want information? Go on to Google or Facebook. Um, so there's, there's just things that everything's in our hands, everything's so accessible. Is it? But then we come to Jesus, and we do. We have to press in. He's with us, but we have to press in. It takes active effort for us. We can't get the Holy Spirit through osmosis. It doesn't happen that way. We've got to press in. We've got to surrender ourselves. We have to live a life yielded to the Father, surrendered to Him. <coughs> I was at a conference last year, and. One of the guys made a really strong statement that has just resonated with me. And he was talking about Mary pouring out the oil on Jesus' feet, or the perfume on Jesus' feet. And he says, the perfume of the modern era is time. It's time that we need to pour onto the feet of Jesus. Because so often, our time is pulled away from us. Some people are working 16 hours a day. Some people... They go from work to gym to this to that, overcommitting themselves. Some people just want an extra 30 minutes of sleep in the morning. And so that time is pulled away from us through things that are important. But the scripture says, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. And so the things that we value, the things that we prioritize, is shown through the way that we live our lives. And so my encouragement this morning is to use your time wisely. To pour it out on the feet of Jesus. Be like, we do it with our money, we do it with our family, we do it with our friends, we do it with our works. We say, Jesus, this is yours. But so often we hold on to our time, which is so important in the kingdom of God. See, in Acts 2, and Yandre mentioned it earlier, I'm going to read from verse 42 to 47. It says, They were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Reverential awe came over everyone, and many wonders and miraculous signs came about by the apostles. All who believed were together and held everything in common, and they began selling their property and possessions and distributing the proceeds to everyone, as everyone had need. Every day, they continued to gather together by common consent in the temple courts, breaking bread from house to house, sharing their food with glad and humble hearts praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And the Lord is adding to the number every day those who are being saved. <clears throat> I think there's so much that we can learn from just that small portion of Scripture. And I think the thing in line with what I'm speaking about this today is just there's a thing of every day, every single day. And I, like my testimony and my story is this, is that my mom was that woman, single mother, dragged us, to every life group, every prayer event, every church, twice on a Sunday, because that's what we did, went morning and the evening, 
I remember sleeping under chairs. I remember sleeping on the floor next to the TV as I had life group. There's this thing of bringing and including your family in the life of the church. And I'm, I'm saying this to myself as well, is that as parents, and I'm going to speak to parents now with children, is that let's not just tell our kids what the kingdom of God is. Let's show them. Let's show them what it looks like to live in community. What, let's show our kids what it's like to invite people into our homes, to go to other homes. Let's show them what it's like to study the Bible with other people. Let's show them how to worship. Lynette's got the story that they, they were young kids, and they would be playing around during worship, and their father would be like, worship, and they'd be like. <laughs> so even though there was an instruction, they learned how to worship. And we see the fruit of that this morning, of what God can do through a life that is yielded to him. I remember my mom, <laughs> we went to this conference once, um, I think it was like, probably about, I was 1993, um, and there was just this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and I remember she was slain in the Spirit, she was laughing, crying, snot, tears, sweat, everything, it was amazing, and we're driving home, and I still don't know how we got home to this day, but because she, she was hysterical in a good way, and just under the power of the Holy Spirit, and I remember her, it was probably about 8 or 9 o'clock at night, driving us home, and just this presence of God with us in the car, and getting home, and in that state, sorry, um, and in that state, just still carrying us to our bedrooms, and I, like, I remember those moments, and those things are so important to us, my brother and my sister, as we still talk about it every now and again, just what God had done in our lives, and shown himself to us, and so how do we as parents model that for our children? Because it's one thing to tell them. It's one thing to bring them to church once a day. But how do we bring that into our everyday life? It says every day they continue to gather. Every day. I'm not saying we're going to have a program where we do everything every day. That's crazy. <laughs> but let's make opportunity. Let's invite. It says they, they met in each other's homes from house to house. They broke bread. So when you have people come to your house, take a moment. Break bread together. There's no rule that says you can only do it on a Friday at church. Take that moment, because Marius said this to us last year, it's like the breaking of bread of communion is a conversation. It's remembering what Christ has done for us. Very much sidetracked, sorry. <laughs> and so, as I move into this next part, I'm going to read from Psalm 133, and it says, Look how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together. It is like fine oil poured on the head, which flows down the beard, Aaron's beard, and then flows down his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon, which flows down upon the heels of Zion. Indeed, that is where the Lord has decreed a blessing that will be available, eternal life. And so there's something special that happens when we're unified as the body of Christ, when we come together, breaking bread, learning, studying, worshiping together. One of the things that I want to say is that I think this year is a year for space and for grace. And I love Lynette put it so much. It's like there's space for when you can and there's grace for when you can't. But with that, there's a responsibility of walking in relationship with those around you. It's one thing to say, well, I don't have the space or I don't have the, I, I, I just can't do it now. That's great. But then let's pray together. Let's break bread together. Let's spend time together. Let's build relationships. And when you've got all the space in the world, fantastic. Let's, let's get involved. Let's, let's serve one another in love. 
<coughs> you see, all these scriptures um, in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and Ephesians 4 have unity in the body, something in common, but they also all talk about love. And I had this conversation last night is about serving and getting involved with the church and what that looks like. And there's a scripture that says, they will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And I think it's one thing to desire the gifts of the Spirit. It's important. It's so good. But in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul ends off and he says, but I will show you a greater way. And then he goes straight into 1 Corinthians 13 and says, love. Love, faith, and hope. But the greatest of these is love. In Romans 12, he says, hopefully I can find it now. Romans 12, he says, love must be without hypocrisy. So he talks about the motivational gifts and he says, love must be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another with mutual love, showing eagerness in honoring one another. Do not lag in zeal, be enthusiastic in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, endure in suffering, persist in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Pursue hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not be conceited. And so there's a thing in Ephesians 4. It says, bear with one another in love. 1 Corinthians 13, he goes on to say, love is the best thing. That's the thing you should desire. Because you can do all these things in the name of the Spirit, in the name of the Father, in the name of Jesus. But if you don't have love, you're just a resounding gong. And so unity and love go hand in hand. Because you cannot be unified with someone that you do not love. It's impossible, I think. I've, I've never got it right. But if you love someone and you love others, which is the second and greatest commandment, it says love one another as you love yourself. There will be unity, not just in the body, but within the community around us. Love and unity as we serve and honor one another with our gifts. And so with that, I want to transition into what we believe God is doing in rivers this year. And... I personally feel like this is going to be a year in the life of this church that will be a milestone for us, will be the thing that we look back and be like, this is the year God did something. And so the scripture that we felt for this year is Isaiah 43 verse 19, um, and it says, look, I am about to do something new. Now it begins to happen. Do you recognize it? Yes, I will make a road in the desert and paths in the wilderness. And so we believe that this is a year for us to grow. This is a year that is given to us as a blank canvas to dream and to create and to walk with the Father. As the Spirit leads us to paint a picture that is new and something fresh for rivers into the future. But not just for this church, but for each and every single one of us in this church today. And so I want to encourage you with that, is that we've learned about the gifts, we've learned about the Holy Spirit, we're seeing signs and miracles and stories and testimonies of revival that is breaking out. And so my encouragement this year is do not miss out on what God is doing. I think the saddest thing for me this year was to look back and nothing has changed. And so I want to encourage you as we go into this year to be like, God, what is it that you want to do? 
What is the new that you want to do in me? What is it that you, I need to lay down so that I can serve you wholeheartedly? And use the gifts you've, been given, you've given me, using the talents you've given me. I think one of the things that I've been challenged with and I've started talking to other people about is that scripture with the one, the five, and the ten talents. And it's all about stewardship. We can, we can make it about money. We can make it about gifts. We can make it about all these things. But it's about stewardship. What are you doing with what God has given you? Um, had a conversation with someone that said, I just don't have time or capacity to do this. And my testimony is that the, when you surrender what God has given you, given you to him and you use it, somehow capacity increases. I cannot explain it. I don't know how it works, but I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in Lynette's life. I've seen it in the lives of so many people in this church where as they lay themselves down and use what God has given them and steward what God has given them, somehow there's capacity. Somehow there's more time. Somehow there's more resources. Somehow God just does more. It's amazing. So I want to encourage you with that this morning. Is to Let's lay down our stuff before the Father and say, God, how can I use what you've given me in the church? How can I use what you've given me in the world around us so that they might know your glory, that the church might be built up and equipped for the work of the ministry? Because each and every single one of us plays a part. You might be a nail, you might be a big toe, you might be the spine, you might be the eyes, but every part plays a role. And so I want to encourage you with that this morning. So can I pray before I go into the next part? Because it's just more talking heart to heart. Um, so, Father, I just want to thank you that you have created us not to live in isolation, but to be part of something, your kingdom. And, Father, I thank you, Lord, that we are not left alone to do this, but we get to do this with you. That you gave us the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us, to teach us, to comfort us, to fight for us, to, to lead us into the ways that you have created for us. So, Father, I thank you for each and every single person that is here. I thank you for the gifts. I thank you for the purposes and the callings, the passions and the desires that you've put on their heart. And I pray, Lord, that as we seek you first, above all else, as we heal to you, Holy Spirit, would we grow in what you have put in us? And would we use that to serve the body, to serve this church, to serve the world at large, this community, with love and in unity, Father? We bless you and we thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so, Nikki, if you can bring up that first slide for me. Um, so, I just want to give you a quick overview just in terms of what happened last year and then talk about what we have planned for this year ahead. So, you can go to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> we can wait, it's okay. <laughs> Are you willing to press down? There we go. So just so you know, um, just in terms of our finances, we have four ways of receiving income at Rivers. One is through our local bank account, which is our main business account. So for Rivers Church to operate, we do have a business called Rivers Oh, it's terrible. I can't remember what it is. <laughs> but basically, it's, we are an events company. So what we do here is we, we have a company that rents out this hall. And that allows us to function to have bank accounts, 
um, to have a CR to legally meet in this place. All right, so that's the first one. Sorry for the people at the back, it's very small. Um, the second one is that through the week, we rent out this hall to a guy named Muhammad Jamal. I'd like to encourage you to pray for him. Incredible man, incredible family. Um, and so what they do is they run a sports complex school through the week. Yeah, they do jiu-jitsu, they do children's programs during the holidays. Just there's people always here yeah, through the day. Amazing people. So please pray for them. And so he pays rent as well. Then we have a U.S. dollar account called Allegro. And so some people through the states and those that want to sow into the church from the states can deposit money into that. So that's one of the ways that we receive money. And the other one is cash tithes. So as you can see, most of our money comes through a local account and then almost equal for our rent in Allegro and our cash tithes is about 6%. Okay, so that's the overview. Next one. Then to talk about our expenses, so we, with the help of Justin, he's our finance guy, um, we broke the categories into seven categories, so this is just a percentage of the income that has come in. So you'll see rent is 35% of our income or expenses goes to rent, 34% uh, for salaries, then we've got government levies, so that's EWA, Gorsi, Alamore, all those other fancy things, that's that. And then we've got um, missions. So one of the things that we did as a leadership team last, I think it was last year or the year before, we decided that we wanted to give 12% of our tithe or as our income as a tithe. And so that 12% then goes to uh, David Ganesh in Sri Lanka. So he runs an orphanage with, I think they have 16 boys at the moment um, in Norelia in Sri Lanka. We also support a guy named Jiva and his wife Susan in India. Lloyd and Kat in the Philippines, and then also Solomon and Lee in Saudi Arabia. And so that's where our tithe goes to as a church. Um, then, uh, so that's 12%. 4% is on services, so that's like for water. Uh, no, I can't think of AC repairs, like manual maintenance things. And then we have other, so other can be like flight tickets, it can be... Um, if we have unexpected expenses, the snacks that we have on a Friday morning, coffee, all those things fall under that. And then benefits, so that's um, flats for staff. Um, that's the only one we had last year. Uh, and um, gratuity as well. So that's the breakdown percentage-wise of our income. So that's our expenses. Okay, you can stop there. And so what our faith for this year is we have a few things we'd like to do. One is we have a room right at the end as you walk in. You've probably all walked through it, walked past it a million times without even knowing. It's an old IGS office, and they've graciously allowed us to take over that space. And so we would like to convert that into like a lounge area, but more importantly, for our youth to meet on a Friday morning. Because currently, they're all, I don't know if you've walked into the green room and the youth are there. You've got like 20 kids trying to sit on one couch. <laughs> and so what we're going to do is we're going to create a space where they can, that is theirs, that they can go hang out in on a Friday morning. Abby's doing a phenomenal job with them and teaching them and leading them. And so that's what we'd like to do, but that takes money, unfortunately. And so, or oh, couches, coffee tables, TVs, we've got a projector. And so that's where we need you. So if you'd like to help us with that in one way, shape, or form, we need to paint, we need to clean the carpets, we need to get furniture and set that up so that that can be a functional space for them, but then also a meeting room, so during the week if someone wants to do counseling or prayer 
or just have an informal meeting in a safe space that we'll create for them in that room as well. Um, one of the other things we'd like to do is to paint the hall. Um, the last time it was painted was when we first moved here in 2017, I think. So it's been a while. Um, I personally would like to get rid of the prison cell gray, um, but we'll figure that out. <laughs> so if you have an eye for detail in interior design, please come speak to us. It would be amazing. But that's one of the things. It's not about creating the most beautiful church in Bahrain, but creating a space where people feel welcomed, people feel at home, people feel like this is a place where God is glorified. I think my personal motivation with this is the story of King Solomon and Queen Sheba, they went to visit him, and she saw the glory of God through the way that he had laid out and decorated his place, and she even commented on it. And so that's my encouragement, is that we can make this a place where people walk in and they can feel the presence of God just by the way that things have been done. And so that, that's one of the other things. Uh, other things, I know Lynette has asked for like new lights, um, not to the capacity where there's too much lights, but just new, we need new sound equipment, things are breaking but we don't, honestly, we just don't have the resources available to invest in those things at the moment. And so those are things that we are trusting for, that we are believing for, um, for this year. Um, another thing is, if you can bring up that slide again, Nikki. <laughs> um, so some of the things that we are looking to do this year. Next one. Um, so Dave and Kathy, so they were here last month. If you were here, they're the apostolic oversight that we have here. So they will be coming, well, I know Dave is coming next month in March, and they'll come again in June and again in October. Um, so when they come, we would like to help them to get here, obviously, um, so they don't have to pay for their own flights and that. And so we need resources for that. Um, we've got Craig Water, who's coming next week for a week. Um, he's going to be spending some time with us. Um, and so I encourage you, if you would like to do strength finders or find out more about the gifts that you've been given or how you function or operate, but then how you can use that in the workplace and in the church. Phenomenal guy to get involved with. He is taking sessions. That they're about an hour where he looks at your strengths and just guides you through the process of how you can most effectively use those gifts. All right. Um, then in November, the dates will be confirmed. Maurice and Linda will be back, and they'll come in probably turn us all upside down again like they did last year. <laughs> Just a phenomenal time. And so those are some of the guys that we have coming in. And I want to encourage you, if you have good relationship with people that you think might be a blessing to this church, come speak to us. We would love to invite more people in, get different voices. I think it's so healthy for us to have that uh, with people that we love and that we trust. All right. And the next one. And then some things to look forward to. Um, so we are going to the Philippines again in July to go visit Lloyd and Kat. So Lloyd and Kat, for those of you who don't know, they planted out of rivers in 2018. So this year is their church's fifth celebration. Um, and so we will be going to join them. It's from about the 6th to the 14th of July. Uh, we'll be going to the Philippines just to go celebrate with them. Um, minister, I've asked him to organize if we can go paint houses, do some work with with one of the local high schools, um, just to get involved and to expose us to what happens in the world um, in an uncomfortable environment. I can tell you you will be well fed and you'll be well looked after. I will tell you that you will come back very tired, sunburnt, and probably like three or four kgs heavier. 
but it's amazing. Just, just as you spend time with the, with the different guys that are there, you hear stories. You'll hear stories that will make your spine tingle. You'll hear stories that will excite you and make you cry. It is just the most incredible place. So if you can, it would be amazing to take a team of people to the Philippines. It's, honestly, it will be life-changing. So if you can, that would be amazing. And you're welcome to stay and have a holiday afterwards. <laughs> They'll gladly have you. Uh, then we are planning to do a trip to Sri Lanka. So that is the week of the 27th of September, um, probably from the Friday to the Friday, um, just to spend time with Devlin and Zoo, who are in Colombo, but then also to go up to David um, in Norelia to go and spend time with the boys at the orphanage. But then when we go to David, there's a whole bunch of churches and pastors and leaders from around the area that come together just for teaching, equipping, and worship. And it's just an absolutely incredible time. Um, and you'll only have to take four days leave because there's a public holiday that week. All right. Um, and then hopefully we'll be able to do some other things. There is a plan to go to India. We're just trying to figure out the dates for that. Um, and hopefully we can do more um, as we partner with the other churches in this region around us. And I think that's the last one. Yes. All right. So this is where we need you. We are out of the body of Christ. We are all together. And so... One of the things that we need is volunteers. Volunteers who can help with kids' ministry. Abby is running youth solo at the moment. And so if you have a heart for the youth, please speak to her. She'd love more people to get involved. Um, worship, and I think Lynette wants to say something. Um, with serving, if you would like to get involved with serving on a Friday morning, speak to Mpoh or to Beth, and they can point you in the right direction. Um, we need people to open homes. There are people who are broken, who are hurting, that need a place to stay or just a meal. So open, let's open our homes for, to people for that. Mercy ministry, and will you say something about that too? Yeah, Lynette. This is my lovely wife. Hi. Welcome. <laughs> Again. <laughs> so, mercy ministry. Um, the word mercy um, um, have... I mean, it's not just, you know, one meaning, as in uh, I'm about to slice your head off and then I decide not to and I've spared your life and now I have shown you mercy. It's not that. It talks about compassion. Um, it's showing compassion um, and a heart for someone else to bless someone else. And so Mercy Ministry at Rivers um, is where we, um, we try and help out some families and some people that people in Rivers know um, that just need a little bit of groceries, to just need a little bit, you know, when you've got too much month at the end of your money. And so um, we can we can do that. We, we, we may not be able to uh, foot every bill, but we can definitely um, send some food your way. We love feeding people, and it's just, it's important. It's important to know that your basic needs are taken care of. You know, I think I'm so reminded of the scripture, um, the, the Lord's Prayer, where it says, give us this day our daily bread. You know, um, and then it goes on to say, look at the birds. They don't worry about what they need to eat and wear. And we get to be that. We get to be that as a community because we have faith in our Father. And we don't necessarily have to have um, faith for our daily bread. We have faith in Him that He will provide our daily bread. Um, and, and both in the physical and also in the spirit that He gives us so willingly and so freely. And so... If you have a heart for people, if you like feeding people, heck, if you're even just administrative, like anything will do. Um, 
And even if you don't, and God is challenging you right now to do so, come chat to me. Like, let's, let's get people fed. Let's get people looked after. You know, this is, it's so, so, so important. It's important to Jesus. Like, when he says that when you gave someone food, you fed me. When you clothed someone, you clothed me. Like, let's be his hands and feet. Like, let's get our hands dirty so we can be his hands and feet. So if that's you, please come chat to me. Then, music. So, um, yeah, like, I'd like to play every instrument simultaneously. <laughs> Although, I only got two hands. So, um, I mean, I could try to play something with my foot. I do that sometimes when I play the drum with my foot and other stuff with my hands and then try and sing too. Like, I've got ADHD people. You need to help me. Like, I can't concentrate on that many things at the same time. So, that being said, if you have some kind of musical skill, like, and you are kind of feeling like a tug at your heart. Like, you know when I'm talking to you, right? You know when it's you because the Holy Spirit's going, yeah, man, that's you. That's you. <laughs> come speak to me. Like, come speak to me. We take everybody. Like, everybody. Anybody. <laughs> Somebody. <laughs> no, but for real. If you, if you have a heart for music, if you like music, if you are, have an instrument. I mean, I'm not going to teach you how to play necessarily, but we're going to learn together. Right, and so if you if you have some musical skill, let's make it work, man. Let's make a noise for Jesus. It's fun. We're fun. Kendra says yes, we are because Kendra knows. Yeah. Thank you. You can even play the triangle. It's okay. <laughs> Tambourines are welcome to. <laughs> All right. And so that's one way you can get involved is so if you'd like to figure out where you can get involved and you're not sure, come speak to one of the leaders or speak to Mpo and Beth or just speak to someone. And so we, yeah, this is Mpo and Beth is with the Kids Church. So just speak to someone. We are always open and ready for more volunteers. And then lastly, um, I don't want this to sound like I'm asking for money, but I am. We need your generosity. Honestly, to go to the Philippines, to do this youth room, to do the painting, to change things, to get snacks, it does take resources. And so I want to commend you guys for tithing and for being faithful in that. Honestly, it's been incredible. God has been faithful in providing every month through you guys. And so I want to thank you for that. But there's also this thing of generosity. So if you are able to help us, it doesn't have to be financially only. If you've got resources available, um, time available, we need to paint, move furniture, all those things. Please come and speak to us so that we can help you in that. And that is everything for today. So I want to bless you guys. Um, if you have children, please don't forget to fetch them. Um, or we can give them an espresso and some donuts and send them your way. Um, we have donuts and coffee available at the back of the hall. And yeah, have a blessed day. Can I pray for you quickly? Yes, Father, I pray, Lord, for every single one of us as, as we go into this week. Holy Spirit, would you make yourself manifest upon us? Father God, that everywhere we go, that we would be attentive to hear and to see where you are leading us and guiding us. And Father God, I pray, Lord, that workplaces and schools and our homes would be changed because of your presence through us as we healed and surrendered to you. We bless you and give you all the honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a blessed day, and we'll see you next week.